The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 67, Thursday, August 4th, which means this is our first show, Steve, coming off of the trade deadline. Of course, the dust is settling. We're trying to keep up with all the action and listening to the rest of the industry get fired up about this, too. So we got a great show today, guys. Thanks so much for joining. We're going to be talking about a little bit our our deadline reaction and then getting into some deeper names where opportunities might have popped up, maybe some below-the-radar moves that could have a fantasy impact. Looking forward to it, Steve. And honestly, it's it's kind of a wild episode because you could go in any direction. So I think we'll keep it a little loose up front and then we'll dial it into some some player analysis as we go. But uh, how's it going, man? What's What's it been like for you? This past five days has just been like a fireworks show. Yeah, uh, yesterday, so Tuesday as we record this, uh, what was great. I mean, it seemed like there was trades all day. There was trades earlier in the week leading up to it there was the big trade everybody was hoping for and uh, a, a lot of a lot of thought it was it was it was fun it was a great day to be a baseball fan it was one of the better trade deadlines that i could remember um you know i mean a lot of that has to do with the fact that we probably saw one of the biggest trades ever in, in the juan soto deal uh you know, even even when he was rejecting offers, right? Like in the back of your mind, it's like these guys aren't going to trade Juan Soto because he's, you know, 23 and already arguably the best player of the generation. So to see that happen is just absolutely crazy, and that kind of just makes it the best trade deadline by by default. But there was a ton of other deals, and and we can get into it. I know that you know. Every podcast and the podcast's mother have been talking about uh, uh, the trade deadline, but I think we we've highlighted some deeper names here that um, could really be uh, of notice and kind of gone under the radar that could potentially have fantasy impacts. Like you know, we talked about it last week with like the ad show, right? There are still guys that are popped up on your wire, and some of that is going to be because of these trades that open up playing time opportunity or. You know, maybe a team identified a player and, and is going to use them in a better way and 
and get some more value than we expected or, or, or got the first three months of the season. So uh, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun that it happened. It, it was a great day. Um, there was just a ton, a ton of trades. It, it, it just seemed like every time you looked at your phone, right, like there was just a notific- notification of like a, a a new transaction. I don't know. If, I don't know if you follow it, but uh, the under oh. underdog MLB it's kind of taken over for like the lineup uh, accounts. Uh, if you don't mind the Twitter notifications, definitely put on the notifications for at underdog underscore MLB, and they just tweet out every single lineup transaction, all that stuff. Uh, and it was just going off like every two seconds. You looked at your phone, and there was a trade to be announced. It was it was, it was a fun day. So. <laughs> Uh, glad I got to talk about it with you and, and put a fantasy spin on it. Yeah, it was incredible. And it's it's kind of crazy thinking back to 2021 as well, Steve, which was a monster trade deadline as well with the Cubs and their fire sale of like Baez and, you know, Rizzo, uh, Rizzo Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. all those guys getting moved. Barrios, uh, the Dodgers got Scherzer and Turner. So like I was trying to equate is this bigger because of the Soto headline and his age and, you know, Hader was a, a shock move. And then, uh, you know, Montas, the Yankees, it seems like Cast- there were so many Cast- teams. Castillo. Like, mix. Yeah. I, I yeah, think, Castillo. I think name wise and like trade size wise, if that's a thing, this was probably the biggest that I remember. I, I think, it, it, it not to get into like this meta baseball discussion, but maybe it is good to get into it. But it seems like years of control are just such a big factor, right? Like, yeah. If if the Nationals did wait and they stink again next year, because they probably will, and they wait until the last possible trade deadline, which would be you know two years from now for Soto. Like, if he had three months like it, it wouldn't it be weird for to see Juan Soto get traded since he only has three months of control for like a you know a a double a, a prospect and like a guy that was just drafted right like that would be the the max return yeah. that you could get because people wouldn't care because he just doesn't have years of, of control like that's all that really matters and I think that's why you're seeing so many trades um and the the, the returns not being like absolutely mind-boggling like how much further off was the return for Luis Castillo than Juan Soto right like right. that doesn't make much sense that it was like a similar package of prospects I know obviously yeah the 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 Padre, uh, the, the Padres definitely gave up more and Nationals got more for Juan Soto but you're, you know the, the guys that we'll talk about for the Castillo deal, like that's not, that wasn't that far off, uh, at least no, like, like ranking wise for for prospects. Like, I mean, Mariners have a, a great system, right? So if they put in like a, you know, I'm, I'm not sure they want to do this, but the, if they put in Kelnick and like you know another one of their pitching prospects, like Emerson Hancock or something like that, or even like George Kirby, who's had some success at the majors, like that probably yeah, that, that so. would have got it done. <laughs> And, like, you heard the Cardinals, like, they didn't want to include Carlson and Gorman, right? And, like, you saw on Twitter, like, everyone's like, what? Like, I would do that in a second. And it's like, I, I you know, the, the Cardinals have Gorman and Carlson for the next seven, eight years, right? Like, that's just how service time sort of works for the MLB. And I think we can kind of get into that. I, 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 I really like sort of Carlson's value from, like, a soft analysis standpoint for that. 
Um, I know that's r- later down the, the the rundown, but um, it's just yeah, cra- it's just I mean, crazy how how light these sort of returns can be. Yeah, it is, and there, there's kind of I think there's kind of a systemic hesitation in in Cardinals Nation to want to um, splash for. Big names. I mean, they, they everyone did for, kind of talks about. They like, did the for Goldschmidt. They did for Goldschmidt and, and Arenado, though. No, right? But like, they kind of, they kind of rinsed the the Rockies on the Arenado and, one, and and sure. the Diamondbacks too, right? Like, look at that. Yeah, look. it's like Luke Weaver. Like, we're fine. Yeah. Like, and and but there was there were some interesting things. I will say, like uh, Bernie Nicholas is, does an awesome job, uh, sports writer and radio guy down in St. Louis. He put out a really nice article talking about why we shouldn't sell we being uh, cardinals fans shouldn't want to sell dylan carlson and it talked about like you know his his defensive side of things his base running and he was like yes soto is you know a better hitter but like you said it's the years of control that go into it i'm still of the opinion that like life's too short to not deal some you know jordan walker somebody for yeah a true yeah for 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 soto until 2025 is the thing like you have to capitalize on world series windows and to me this is this is a window that immediately is kind of closing on like the wainwright factor but then you know arenado and goldie aren't spring hens either so it's like yes the cardinals are consistently competitive and like they do things the cardinal way with like Jordan Montgomery, Jose Quintana, like Paul Spore on Twitter is like, this is yes, this is the Cardinals, this is how they do it, and it's like, yeah, but I want more than like one series in the playoffs. And like spoiled as a Cardinals fan, but yeah. like if you're gonna go for it, you gotta go for it, and then I'll take a rebuild if needed, as long as you know you're pushing. But it to me it was a little frustrating to not get like a Montas. Rodon or uh, Juan Soto from this deadline, but all that said, like they did improve. Um, not to just fully get into the Cardinals talk, but like that—that's my thought on it. And it's like, yeah, it, it does come down to years of control and trying to be smart about not blowing up the farm and everything. But now it's kind of like the pressure's on because you just passed on kind of a generational opportunity to to, to land. Yeah a Juan Soto for more than just a rental. Yeah, but. I imagine the, the ask would have been, or the cost for the Cardinals was Gorman, Carlson, and Walker, which... Or win it, or yeah. yeah, is... is pro, you know, if I'm the, the Nationals, I'm not doing that without getting Walker back just because it seems like they... They, they prioritize getting, you know, a top 10 prospect, essentially. You know, Hassel is... is, is a top 20 at least by, by most counts. So they're not doing that without Walker. And that's kind of like a bigger cost to a contender, right? Because Carlson and Gorman, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, are helping them now. Carlson, at least from, from what I've watched, I know it's, he's, he's had a quote-unquote disappointing fantasy season, but he's just taken an absolute unbelievable step as a fielder and center fielder. He's making like a, an amazing yeah. play every night. So... I think on him, like long term, I'm buying Dylan Carlson. Like if I had a dynasty league, I'd be all over it. Um, you know, uh, I I guess to get into it, like for him, like you know, after they have that conversation, like they're like, you know, we believe in you. You're our everyday center fielder. They just traded Bader. 
they're giving him the keys essentially. I know he homered um, on Tuesday night. They got rained out tonight. Uh, I think he was supposed to bat leadoff though. So like, that's got to feel good. And I know Ian Khan talks about it all the time. Like, baseball, it, it, it's a mental game. And if you're feeling good about yourself, you're going to be playing good. Like, I would not be surprised if Carlson has a little run here. Kind of reminiscent to what he did in the second half last year, right? Like, he was okay in the first mm-hmm. half, had a few homers in April, then kind of cooled off, and then quietly ended up with 18 homers after he was, like, stuck on, like, you know, eight or nine uh, for the entire first half there uh, at, at some point. Um, so he, he put together a nice little second half, and I would not be surprised if Carlson does that here. You know, you see it with the defense. They, they got the faith in him. You know, it would not shock me at all if the Cardinals, being the Cardinals that they are, get the absolute most out of this quote-unquote disappointing um, deadline for for them. But uh, you know, I know it's not for so. Sure. I know it's not Soto, but they need pitching probably more than they needed a bat. Uh, but yeah, I I really like the Montgomery Bader deal as well. I like what you said with Carlson's steps forward defensively. This season and playing center field, Bader is kind of starting to slip into that like Garrett Hampson territory of like how, how long do you wait for it to all come together? And there's there there always seems to be, you know, a, a nagging injury or you know he's he's doing one thing right but not the other. And I think Montgomery is kind of the the cardinal mold of of a pitcher. So I, I liked and we've talked about Quintana two episodes ago and how he's improved. They're just not total strikeout guys, but I know Montgomery's got some some upside there. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a good move. I think they put themselves in a better position. It's just not, in my opinion, it's not enough for a, a World Series run. They might they might win a playoff series, um, but that and that's just disappointing when you've got Molina, Wayno. Um, but you know, we'll also see what happens with. With Arenado and Goldie, I mean, they might. Neither one of them's that old, so uh, in terms of free agents, uh, the, the that could just be the old guard because the, the Cardinals farm system is stacked and it's light on outfielders. So, all the more reason if they want a six-year window, seven-year window instead of like a three-year window. I, I, I get that makes sense. Uh, what did you think out uh, east, Steve, on the other side of that with the Yankees and all their moves? Kind of a, a strange strange trade for them dealing Montgomery, uh, especially with Severino injured right mm-hmm. now. Um, I, I was just shocked by that. And beyond that, I mean, obviously they got their guy in Montas. I thought the Benintendi move was savvy. Um, do you think this was a quote-unquote good trade deadline for the Yankees? I think so. I think that the last time that everyone was up in arms and wanted to cash when fired was February and and March when the lockout ended um, and the Yankees sort of stood pat and everyone was freaking out that the Yankees didn't do anything, been proven. Lo and behold, they have their best season in, you know, decades seemingly, uh, at least through August. Um, But... It was strange. The fact that they gave up a reliable 3-4 starter for them um, when Severino is hurt, and now they're going to be counting on... And, Dem- Bader, and Bader's Dem- hurt. And, and Bader's hurt, yeah. Um, for a guy who is hurt, yeah. Um, and, and counting on Domingo Herman, who seemingly would be a better bullpen piece. 
Um, Severino was transferred to the 60-day IL, so he's not eligible to come back till mid-September. And there was another weird thing about that. He came out and was angry about it. He said he threw recently. He did throw recently. It felt fine. So he must have had a totally different timeline than the team. So that's just really strange. Um, I get it. On paper, you, you know, you slot in Montas, who's now a number two behind Cole, remove Montgomery. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's still strange considering now they sort of have a hole in the back end of their rotation now. That being said... I, the, the goal for the Yankees is not necessarily, I think, to get home field advantage or to win 115 games. The, the goal for the Yankees is to finally get past the Astros in the playoffs and, and, and make it to the World Series and win the World Series. And I think Bader is a, a huge key to that due to the fact that he plays elite, elite outfield defense and can steal bases. In the playoffs, it, you know, uh, outfield defense and and base stealing is, you know, ten times more important than it is in the drag of uh, uh, of a hundred sixty two game season, right? Like, you know, we talk about how the steel is dying and 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 you know there there's not really much of a need for it, and it's becoming less and less important in, in baseball and in our game in fantasy sports, but in the playoffs. That matters. That extra base matters in those short samples and those five game series. Uh, you know, uh, that one base matters more, right? So, for to be able to have Bader as this guy who could steal a base and play this amazing center field defense that moves Judge over to right, where Judge was a above average fielder in um, in in center, which is amazing. But that goes to show you how good he would be in right. Um, so that really, really improves the optical defense. It gets Hicks out of their lineup. I know he was hot in July, but he's kind of cooled off. And he was another guy that Yankees fans were calling for to, uh, you know, uh, hit the turnpike and, and get out of there uh, in, in April and May. So I, I like it. I know Bader had some some good run here. It was more in the stolen base department, but. Um, you know, and, and the, the batted ball metrics aren't as great. Like, you know, when he had that 11, 10, 12%, 9% barrel rate in 2019, 2020, and we thought there was a breakout coming, that never really came to fruition. But that still doesn't mean that he isn't going to be valuable to them. But I think it's more for real life. They'll probably give him as much time that he needs, come back in September, be a guy who plays a little bit of center field. But in the playoffs, I, I think it's going to be a game changer for them. Yeah, Harrison Bader, also from Bronx, uh, as the ah. the hometown. He's a New York guy as well. So I did not, uh, I did not know that. That is, uh, yeah. that is really interesting. Yeah, big, uh, big Godfather guy over there. Take, <laughs> take, take the gun, leave the canola. No, no, leave the gun. Take the canola. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, love that. Um, and I think overall, Steve, like, you know, just to to hit broadly, like. What a great trade deadline for like the good of baseball. If like the Mariners improving, uh, the Yan- or the the Padres obviously bringing balance to like the West Coast and the the rivalry with the Dodgers. I think the, the, this is still a step forward for the Cardinals. I think you know there were only a few. The Braves made plenty of good moves. I, I think like the only head scratchers were for me like the Red Sox kind of stayed in like purgatory in a weird way. Um, with with the Hosmer thing, and like the Twins as well, with Tyler Molly is basically 
going toe to toe with the the White Sox on like pushing for a win now type of situation. So overall, I I, I just thought it was really good for the sport in general. I think that's kind of the no duh comment of the deadline, but I think it's going to make for a lot of fun over the the last like two months here. Yeah, my my casual baseball fan friends were talking about baseball, which is good for baseball. Uh, it was, yeah. Yesterday was a, or Tuesday was a, a, a very good day for baseball. Overall, I couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, that's a good sign. Uh, so, Steve, do you want to uh, kick off our listener question to keep rolling down the show here? Yeah, I, I like it. Our, our, our boy, uh, our, you want to you want to bring us in here? You want me to uh, introduce your boy here? Uh, I, you know, TJ doesn't need a, an introduction here on Once Above Fantasy. He's a yeah, TJ a, lo- a, lo- a loyal listener. Yeah. A loyal listener, you know, I'm trying to twist his arm to just make it official and get in the industry, but uh, <laughs> at CardiacKid00, TJ on Twitter, uh, hits us up and, and asks, fellas, how high is Gavin Lux's ceiling? Dude hasn't hit a lot of bombs, but man, he gets on base by any means. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, so, Steve, I think Lux, uh, we've talked about a time or two, but... He's definitely kind of evolved as who he is or who he's kind of trying to be as a productive MLB player. I don't know that I'm fully sold one way or another on the outlook for Lux, but uh, why don't you kick us off here and, and I can follow up. If Gavin Lux existed before the StatCast era, wouldn't we be much more excited about him, I think? Right, like oh, we would see this, you know, K rate that's improving every year. A guy who's walking at above ten percent, uh, at eleven percent this year, and hits for a good average, and is chipping in, uh, you know, uh, ten total home runs and st- stolen bases. Right, like we would see a guy coming into his twenty-four season and like kind of hopefully projecting that power. However, now that we have Savant, this is kind of like the downside to it, right? Like we see uh, a below average exit velocity in just 21st percentile, a below average barrel rate at just 31st percentile, a max exit velocity that doesn't scream raw power, uh, and like a middling hard hit rate, right? So it's it's easy to sort of write off this player. Like, you know, this is a whole show. Like I think we could like try to find like bad stat cast players that could provide yeah. value and Gavin Lux Chris, is, is the the poster child for this right Chris Bryant yeah. yeah we could make a whole a whole like roster depth chart of of the elusive stat cast guys yeah I totally agree I I love on the, the savant comparison where they have Cesar Hernandez as like a comparison to me it's like prime Hernandez like when everybody, you know, he he was almost like a cheat code for your offense. I think Lux is there and like hitting to all fields. Like you said, the the be- far and away the best K rate of his career, far and away the best walk rate of his career, and the line drive rate is also it, it's at a twenty five percent, which is fantastic. So I I really like what Lux has been able to do in the past couple seasons. I think, you know, a lot of it is just his ability to start hitting, like, off-speed pitches much more. Uh, this year he's, he's batting 300 against off-speed pitches with a 420 slug. In past years that was 
always way down at like a 270 slug, 250 slug in 2020. So it just seems like he's maturing as a hitter and, and maybe trying to uh, just stop trying to like launch balls out of the park. And I, uh, the I, launch angle is the one thing that's gone the wrong direction. But like, how much can you complain if he's doing everything well and hitting the ball? I mean, yeah, hard? he's got an 800 OPS, so like it doesn't really matter that he's not barreling and doesn't have the most ideal launch angle. But like, who knows if if this was like 2019 and it was a rabbit ball, he would probably have you know eight to ten homers rather than the four, especially since he goes the opposite way, and that was the biggest thing. Um, that was impacted by the rabbit ball was opposite field power. And in fact, in 2019, when the rabbit ball was in the minors, he had, you know, 26 homers, uh, in, in, you know, 110 games, uh, across double A and triple A, uh, in 2019, when he sort of shot up and, and was this amazing prospect that we couldn't wait to come up to the, to the big leagues in 2019. So I, I think, you know, to talk to answer is TJ's actual question. Like, I think the ceiling is like a top five fantasy second baseman. Like, if this guy becomes, you know, uh, a little bit more of a power hitter, and not much, like you know, fifteen to eighteen homer power, you know, we're talking about a really, really good five tool fantasy player. And I think as he gets into those power years, you know, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. That's sort of what we talked about as prime power before we had Savant and could see these underlying metrics, right? As he grows and, and, and I think will start to hit for some more of that power, you know, I'll, I'll be all over Lux next year. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of encouraging signs here. Uh, a, a lot more to love that's sort of covered up and glossed over because he just doesn't really hit the ball as hard as we would hope. Yeah, I mean... We've talked about LeMahieu a few times, Steve. It's like a premium hit tool, like and like look how look at never look how easy not easy obviously that's not easy, but look how like it was like a, a, a change in ballpark and you know a slight swing change and LeMahieu was like a twenty eight homer hitter. I know that was rabbit ball. I know it was twenty twenty, but uh, twenty nineteen, but twenty twenty he showed some good power too in the shortened season, right? So like look how there's just once that's all it takes is my point like it's it's one tiny tweak to be able to unlock that right and lux i think is a prime candidate for that yeah very much i mean it, it's uh i guess yeah i mean yelich is the original poster boy i think he had a little bit more pop to begin with but we've also pegged lux as more of a power hitter like leading up to this so yeah i, I i'm with you i think Sky's kind of the the limit if he can make a tweak, but until then, I think he's going to be kind of a high floor, productive guy. So super use, useful, especially in points leagues, um, and and that's that's a format that I know firsthand that uh, TJ competes in as well, <laughs> uh, more or less. So yeah, that's that's a hold there, TJ. And I have to shout this this was the fascinating part from uh, TJ on Twitter, because you would say, Steve, the Jordan Montgomery trade was a surprise, correct? Absolutely. We did not see that coming whatsoever. So on uh, July 28th, which was last Thursday, when our last show aired, Steve, a tweet from TJ, have the Cardinals checked in on a package for Jordan Montgomery and Joey Gallo? Maybe more within our realm of deals. (laughs) 
Uh, Got to give a shout out to the prophet there, TJ. Uh, great call on the Montgomery trade a week before it happened, dude. That that is that is hats off, TJ. What a what a, what a call. I, I I don't know of anyone who really even would have considered Montgomery being traded. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I I was shocked, and like had to look. I'm like, wait, wait, which Montgomery is this? You know, like, uh, you know, was this the Montgomery that was on the Cubs a few years ago that's getting traded? Uh, Jordan Montgomery? Wow. Uh, that is incredible. I mean, you know, and people didn't think Gallo would get traded because just nobody wanted him. So to, to nail that both those guys would get traded and one to the exact team that he predicted, uh, it, hats off there. That That is impressive. And quick tidbit, Steve, on Montgomery himself. Do we see this? I mean, we talked a couple shows ago about how the Cardinals have one of the best schedules along with the White Sox rest of season. You would think the offense boost from the Yankees would be sorely missed, but it hasn't really helped Montgomery. It's just been one of the most unlucky pitchers in terms of like collecting wins this season. With the ballpark, the soft division, the strength of schedule defense as well, do you feel like this is a plus? to Montgomery's fantasy value, or would you call it neutral? I, I would definitely call it a plus. I know I saw some things on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I think it might have been uh, Todd Zola talking about how Yankee Stadium is sort of underrated as a – or overrated as a, as a hitter's park because, it, yes, it does boost homers, but it brings down runs overall. Um, that being said, uh, I definitely still think that it's a, a, an obvious upgrade in ballpark. Um, just maybe not as big of a one as people are seeing. I know in the beginning of the year, uh, Bush Stadium was. Uh, is it still called Bush Stadium? Thank, please tell yeah. me it is. Yes, thank God. It I'm is. like uh, you God. know Miller Park now, whatever it's called. Um, Amphan. Yep, and and Heinz Field is no longer Heinz Field. The, the, you know, I saw the ketchup bottles being removed there. Not to talk football on this, but uh, yeah, that's a that's yeah, it's a travesty. Um, but that being said, like. I think it, it there was an overrating to to why the Cardinals ballpark was playing more hitter friendly because Goldschmidt was hitting all those home runs early in the year and they were all at home so like it was like oh my god like look at what a home run park uh, Bush Stadium is now now it's like no Goldschmidt just has 15 home runs in April like it's not that uh, <laughs> that big of a of a difference uh, which is hilarious but um, another thing like Montgomery has always. And this year, more so than ever, underperformed his K rate in terms of swinging strike rate. Like, if you look at Montgomery, like the rule of thumb, right? It's like you double your swing strike rate, and that's close to your uh, your K rate. rate. Uh, yeah, that that's close to your strikeout rate. But Montgomery has sort of always been a guy that gets a really, really good amount of whiffs, but just doesn't, you know, finish off batters or translate that to Ks. And, like, what better organization and what better catcher to help you do that than Yadier Molina, like, the best game caller, like, ever um, to be able to, to do that. Yeah, so this year he's got a 14% swing strike rate, but just a 20.7% K rate, right? Like, that's like that's like eight points that, that, that you're missing there, that, that just that rule of thumb, right? And that, yeah. that would bring him from... A number three, you know, when it's going good, number two to like close to a number one because his walk rate is just elite at just four point nine percent. So uh, it, it, it's close, like you know that there's like a small tweak. Oh, yeah. I, I am, I know it's been a rough July for Montgomery. He was beat up by the Mets, and, and mm-hmm. 
you know, he might have, there were some rumors that, you know, Lindor, you saw Lindor talking in the dugout that they knew what he was throwing and he was tipping or whatever. So maybe there was a tipping issue in those recent starts. But I'm really interested in it and think this is a, a, a huge plus for Montgomery's value, not just a neutral move. Yeah, one other thing to mention is, you know, Montgomery's third pitch and really his uh, best with pitch is the curveball. And Adam Wainwright, it's like you couldn't yeah. ask for a better yeah. mentor on, on a curveball. So, so yeah, yeah, I think that, that combo, like you said, another way to, to put what you're saying as well, his whiff rate, so actual like swing and miss, 76th percentile, his strikeout rate just 37 yeah. That does not title, that so. does not add up. That does not doesn't add, add up. up. Yeah. So there's definitely potential there. So love it. Uh, so that's great high level discussion, Steve. I think we've uh, got about seven or eight names that we're going to key in on, either new movers or guys who have new opportunities. Some call ups. We are going to get into some player analysis and opportunity. But first, we are going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, we got a, the pick of the litter here. I think uh, maybe we start with the Reds, who were sellers, and I think you know, as a division rival of my Cardinals, gotta say I'm proud of the Reds for actually making moves properly, kind of blowing up and selling and collecting a lot of names. But you wanted to focus on Jose Barrero who is a beneficiary of kind of the the new look Reds here. Talk to me about Barrero, what you're excited about, and uh, some fantasy advice on this. Uh, Yeah, like like you said, I think it's, you know, Nick and Alex had their whole baseball show breaking down a bunch of trades. I know Hacks and Jacks did a a deadline show and gone over a lot of these trades on the high level. And, like, at this point, you know who was traded for who and – who's switching leagues and all that. So uh, I think it'd be cool to look at some under-the-radar names. And Jose Barrero is just that. Um, he was called up by the Reds, I think, Wednesday. Um, and is a guy that not too long ago uh, put up a 158 WRC plus at AAA in 2021. People were clamoring for him to come up. And I know he got a cup of coffee in 21 games in 2021 at the big league level. It wasn't very impressive. But, you know, this might be his shot. Uh that being said, uh, his 2022 at AAA has been uh, 
you know, to call it a disappointment is uh, uh, the understatement of the century. He has just a 66 WRC plus, but who knows? That could be some fatigue. I know, you know, we talked about a guy like Lindor who said he was just bored at the at the level at, at the time, and that's why his minor league numbers weren't as impressive. That could be the case. Uh, but he's still got nine homers, five steals, uh, and, you know, uh, for a guy that, you know, previously was, you know, no worse than 31% worse than league average at every stop below, uh, 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 from high A on. Uh, it's impressive. Um, and it, it's easy to forget uh, with, you know, uh, a, a 220 at-bat sample in AAA that's gone bad for him. Uh, there could be some value here, uh, especially if the Reds give him a lot of run, which I think they might now that they traded Brandon Drury and should give Barrero uh the bulk of the playing time. I know Kyle Farmer was uh, was hit twice on Tuesday, so he wasn't in the lineup today, but uh, I still think Barrero should get the bulk of playing time here and could provide uh, some deep league value. And who knows, maybe some, some shallower league formats if he goes on a run now that he finally is like not worried about being sent down if he isn't, doesn't perform in a 20 at that sample. Yeah, he's a, he's a power speed guy, a uh, lot of prospect pedigree, like you said. In 2021, in AA and AAA, across 85 games, had 19 homers, 16 steals, and hit 300. So, you know, that's that's last year. So it's like when, when you're thinking about that. And remind me, Steve, because he was the name change guy, right? Yes, he Didn't, was. He was. This? Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I, I forget who it was, but yeah, so it but was. But his name before he changed it, you you had like heard it for years. Yeah, and then it's yeah. Like, he was right. a big prospect. He was a very big prospect. Uh, Brandon Drury, speaking of the Devils, first at bat, uh, grand slam for the Padres live as we record this. Oh, man, I love all that stuff. Speaking of the Reds, uh, Noel Marte in his first uh, high A game, I think it was his first at bat, hit a homer as well, so... Yeah, top, I think top 10 prospect in the league. Yeah. Like, uh, the Reds did some good the stuff. Reds did, yeah, um, the Reds, for uh, as much crap as everybody gave them in the offseason, they really got good value. Um, you know, Marte is one of my favorite prospects. I think a, a better fantasy than real-life prospect. I think, you know, maybe he'll end up long-term at third, but uh, is just, you know, a great hit tool, power, speed, shortstop that, uh, you know, could have an impact as soon as next year uh, w- with what he's doing. So, yeah, hats off to the Reds for, for getting as much talent as they have. And they, they have a they have a core, you know. India's really turned it around at least recently. Um, you know, Hunter Green, for as erratic as he's been, looks like at times, you know, you see... Mm-hmm. You see the the path to Hunter Green being the best pitcher in the majors at times with, that, yeah. with the stuff that he has. So Lodolo, Lodolo right there yeah, well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you see the path to contention for the Reds, which is uh, a lot better than than some other teams. Uh, you know, like the the Nationals for one. Yeah, and as it relates to Barrero. I think it's a really good watch list name, Steve. I totally agree that it's the type of guy you can't forget about, and he's not going to be hyped up because of the struggles in the minors this season. The one scheduling note, because you know I always go there, is they've got a uh, three-game series against the Brewers followed up by three games against the Mets. So if if it looks rough, the opponents are definitely – at play there, but if he comes out hitting against the Brewers and the Mets, I think you know it underlines the fact that like this guy could explode. So 
I think it's a really good one. Uh, I wanted to talk about Kansas City Royals as well because they dealt with Merrifield, and you know, there's a lot of talk about with Merrifield and the vaccine status and the Blue Jays and playing time and all that. But this opens up the door for Michael Massey, who is in his own right a pretty hyped prospect. Um, not nearly as much as, as some of the other names and like Vinny Pasquantino and stuff, but Massey has been incredible in the in the minors this season and tonight in his or today in his debut he went two for three against the White Sox uh, with a couple of singles he batted seventh um, but Massey is a name that definitely has my interest I heard a, a comparison I think Scott White had mentioned uh, a, a lot of the people close to the Royals organization have called like a kind of a Chase Utley comp but with the Royals 24% K rate isn't fantastic 9% walk rate is good um, but in the in AAA a 325 average 392 OBP and a 595 slug so seven homers in just 33 games at AAA nine homers in 54 games at double A with 13 steals across both levels. So power speed possibility. I mean, I don't I don't know that he's going to that the speed is going to fully translate uh to the majors, but I think Stassi's just or I'm sorry, Massey is uh just a <laughs> a good name to watch here with with second base eligibility. Yeah, and another guy that uh you know might not have been like this extreme high prospect that everyone's clamoring to get called up, like, you know, like Pasquantino even was to talk about the Royals. But uh, I, I'm really impressed. I mean, looking further at the numbers, like, sure, you only see, like, the, the seven home runs at AAA, but there, he's had a 270 ISO in, uh, you know, 33 games there. That is uh, ridiculous. So good enough for a 158 WRC plus. So he's been 58% better than league average at the AAA level. So. Uh, another guy that, you know, why aren't the Royals going to give Massey uh, everyday run? You know, it's kind of like why I'm holding out hope for Pasquantino. Like, sure, the surface numbers don't look great, but he's crushing the ball and hitting it hard despite the, the bad results. Like, he's still going to play every day. So if Massey does come up and struggle for a little bit, like, they're going to give him some run. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it looks like this sort of profile... Um, can uh, hit the ground hit the ground running, um, you know, with with how good he's been at both levels this year. Uh, there was no like adjustment period. You know, he was he's better at, at AAA than he was at AA when he when he took the move. So that's always always nice to see. Uh, and you know, uh, a guy who's 24, so the Royals are, are are ready to go with him, right? Yeah, and I mean, the people within their kind of fan base are are very big on on just the way he plays. I mean, everyone is okay with Witt moving on because they're like, yes, it's it's Massey's time. Again, the, the tricky part is upcoming series for the Royals is Red Sox, White Sox, Dodgers, Twins, and then the Rays, and then back another one against the White Sox. So they've got a pretty tough August, but, um, you know, I think it gets much easier in September. So... Yeah, they've got uh, Tigers, Guardians, Tigers. So th- this one to me is much more of like an NFBC play um, for for Massey, but one that I'm definitely watching closely. Uh, Steve, I'll kind of open up the floor. I know we've got uh, a, just a group of names we wanted to go through. 
any anything else, whether you know new opportunity guys or some recent moves from the trade deadline that you want to kind of zoom in on? Yeah, um, not necessarily uh, uh, for, from a trade, but I think it's worth knowing. Uh, it kind of got brushed under the radar with all these big moves, but Miguel Vargas was uh, was called up yesterday for the for the uh, Dodgers. I know I, we've definitely talked about him on the show as like. Oh, yeah. in, in prospect episodes and, and guys to put on your watch list. But uh, Miguel Vargas is like my favorite type of prospect, a guy that has power, uh, a little bit of speed, and doesn't strike out. Um, he has a 200 ISO and a less than 15% strikeout rate at the AAA level this year. Uh, it was around the same last year, so, um, you know, uh, a guy that's that's done it for for a while, and looks like he could be you know uh, the next Dodger slugger to come up and 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 have an impact as soon as this year. Uh, he's got 12 stolen bases to boot. Uh, I know that's another thing that doesn't translate well, but I am really really excited for Miguel Vargas. I think I mentioned it in, in the preseason, but he you know was a late cut right like so there was like rumors that he could potentially stay with the Dodgers and you know even though it was a long shot sort of like the the Whit Merrifield thing or the uh, Bobby Witt thing from 2021 uh where he was like the last cut and eventually sent down that's kind of how Vargas was and it was a game where a lot of the major leaguers were playing he just hit an absolute bomb like it had to be like over 400 feet off of Shane Bieber, you know, well beyond 400 feet. And I was like, wow, this guy looks like a player uh, and have kind of thrown him on watch lists everywhere. So he'll be a, a decent bit of mine in, in NFPC. I know there were some rumors that he was coming up with uh, um, Justin Turner being banged up and eventually putting on the IL this week. So he might have been scooped up, but in leagues where he isn't, like, he might be uh, a, a high waiver priority for me this weekend. I think Vargas could take this job and run with it, uh, especially if he gets full reign of playing time uh, for while Justin Turner's out, which I think he should. Yeah, he's on deck right now, uh, batting seventh tonight, uh, Gavin Lux. So, yeah, this is topical. We'll keep, keep an eye on the game feed here. But, um, yeah, I think Vargas, like you hear about people talk – are you hear people talking about how he's one of the more natural hitters and just like how good his hit tool is. And I think just the way that Muncie and Turner have both been struggling, I think Turner's probably going to be out until like August 10th, like another week. So if Vargas kind of hits the ground running here, I'd be surprised if the Dodgers didn't find a way to keep his bat in the lineup just because you know, they're aware that the playoffs are coming. They're aware that, you know, Muncie, Bellinger, and Turner are name brands, but they're really not providing the production that they're going to need. So um, I, I think this is such a good one. I actually hit a bold move, Steve, and added Vargas and cut Cabrian Hayes because it's just been painful waiting on Hayes. And I'm kind of at the spot where it's like he, to me, if it clicks in place, could be of that kind of – you know, I, th- I think it's an overused thing to be like league winner, but it's the type of talent that you're not going to just see floating on the waiver wire. You know, th- this isn't like the Luis Renjifo. Like, there's more here in terms of power, like you said, mixing in the speed. And 
cheap exposure to that Dodger lineup. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited. Love that the plate discipline is Pasquantino-esque. And, yeah, just super exciting for, for the 22-year-old. Certainly in Dynasty Leagues, rush to add. But in redraft leagues, um, he should be available. Just 10% rostered in Yahoo. So uh, I'm with you there that I think Vargas is an awesome name and great call on your part, uh, bringing him up a, a couple months ago. Um, because, yeah, he's getting a shot now, and it could be an impact player. Um one I wanted to talk about is another guy who kind of instant production had a game-winning hit today, and it's uh, Mr. Oatmeal, David Peralta, with the Tampa Bay Rays now. And Peralta was batting fifth in the lineup today, and he's, he's just had enough runs in the past couple years of you know consistent production to where I, I think this could be a sneaky roster play. I, I know on the season it has looked pretty like typical David Peralta batting 249, a 768 OPS, uh, but he still hits the ball really hard. He barrels the ball well. Uh, I don't think he's really showing any signs of like slowing down. And one thing that's extra interesting about Peralta is his launch angle this year is at a 16.6 degree every other year leading up to this. It's been around six. So he's clearly kind of evolved the swing. He's another guy who can take a walk. I just think, you know, yes, he's 34 and it's not the most exciting name out there. But I think David Peralta with the Rays could be a, a really interesting fit. I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Peralta? I mean, if there's a team that's going to get the most out of a, a, a left-handed platoon bat and put him in the, the best positions to succeed, it's going to be the Rays, right? Like... You know, th- this point of his career, David Peralta is like the quintessential platoon guy, and like the Rays are the quintessential platoon teams, right? Like he's got a 295 average versus lefties, um, or, or, or sorry, 265 average versus, versus uh, righties, and a uh, let's see, what 114, 114, <laughs> yeah, 114 against lefties, and a 118 WRC plus against left righties. 37 versus lefties so like you know uh a team uh, as good as the rays they're not going to force him into any at bats versus lefties um they're going to maximize that playing time versus versus righties and and get the most out of them so uh an ideal fit for this type of hitter basically you know uh as you can get uh got 11 homers versus righties too so um you know if, if you need a a bat for a week when he has a bunch of righties in the lineup like this is a great stream or you know in deeper plays like it's going to be a better lineup context than it was in in arizona uh so um i, I like it and think it'll definitely be a plus for his, his value and probably an under the radar name right like you might not even think about it but in, in ao only leagues like this is a, a decent name that that came over right if, if you have a uh, have the hammer or a lot of fab. Uh, it's 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 nice. Uh, it's a nice thing to consider because you know it's a, it's an old boring veteran and and people don't get excited about that. But I think there could be uh, some good value here uh, for for Peralta now. Yeah, and staying with the Rays, Steve. I know you have some interest in Jose Siri. Who is this? Another guy who is going to be primarily like a platoon bat. Uh, I know the. <sighs> Surface level numbers have looked ugly this season with just like batting 176, but um, certainly 
a, a guy with some tools and you know the the sprint speed hundredth percentile like what are, what are your thoughts on Jose Siri do you think that there's anything of interest with him coming over from the Astros I'm interested in the fact that the the Rays traded for him um, and I think there might be some more playing time just because he's like I think by outs above average I think he's the best center fielder in, in the league. Uh, definitely top three at least. Uh, I, I saw you know Saris of the Athletic put out a note that I think the the top three defensive center fielders were all tr- traded at the deadline, in uh, or 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 in, in uh, Brett Phillips uh, from the Rays, uh, Jose Siri, and Harrison Bader, which Bader. is which is pretty crazy. Uh, so he might play just because of because of that defense. Uh, I know it hasn't been impressive uh, at the major league level, but you know he in in seventy one plate appearances at the at, at bats in, in AAA this year. Jose Siri has eleven twenty one OPS, so uh, there there is some some underlying numbers there. And in, in the short sample, he was impressive in twenty twenty one for Houston as well. So there's some pop. I mean, looking back, the you know double digit homers at a lot of different stops uh, in the minors. So there might be some sneaky value and another, you know, the Rays uh, are a team to, to get that value. Like, you know, they got a lot out of Brett Phillips, right? Who's a, a, a worse hitting left-handed at bat. So if Siri does have anything in there, uh, I really think that the Rays could squeeze it out of them. So another really, really deep play, but I think there could be some playing time and some sneaky power and speed uh, for, for, for Siri here. Yeah, I think the, the speed's a no-brainer, but surprised to see that last year and of course just like 50 plate appearances a 17.2 percent barrel rate so uh too small of a sample size but yeah it goes to your point that there is there is some pop there if he can put it together so yeah i think that's a, a really good name as well uh man i think that that about rounds us out steve are there any other uh situations or names that you wanted to hone in on as the dust settles from the the crazy week that was um what, you know a few other things uh, just to bring up like i think gallo could really benefit from getting out of new york right like i know la is a big city and everything like that but there's not, not much it's not new york and like california's mellow like they don't care about it. i know that's like a, a, a dumb stereotype but it is like it's not the hustle bustle in New York. Like people are more laid back, so maybe that's a a, a good environment for Gallo. Um, uh, Rizal Iglesias, I think, is a sneaky name because Jansen had some struggles this year, and Iglesias is also has a deal beyond this year. I think Jansen just has an option, so Iglesias should be held onto in all dynasty leagues because he'll probably be the closer for the Braves next year. And potentially this year, if uh, if Jansen does struggle again, I know he had that scare with the irregular heartbeat, but uh, that's just you know two low key things that uh, I, I I wanted to mention and, and and keep an eye out. But we we touched on it uh, on everything else, unless there was uh, anything else you wanted to bring up uh, from this exciting trade deadline day or day after the day deadline the deadline day. No, I mean, you know, we could talk for hours. Like, we haven't even hit on, uh, you know, Devin Williams. Uh, Brandon Drury such an interesting use case who we've talked about on the show. Just on on values for, for guys like that clearly go up. But, yeah, I think, I think it's a good list of uh, 
names without kind of covering the bases that everyone's pretty much hit on this week. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess the last one I'm, I'm kind of curious about, Steve, is Hosmer because he's just been such a it's been such a weird season. That was such a weird move. Um, you know, the Padres still paying for most of his salary, but with the Red Sox, do you think that there's any opportunity or, or upside for Hosmer because, you know, he he's a guy who you probably could go out and add in like a 12 or 15 uh, team league? I don't know if there's anything to read into with, with Hosmer, but it's... It's I mean, kind of a head scratcher, and I'm curious what the fantasy yeah, outcome is. That it, it seemed like the Padres sort of did him dirty because they just leaked that he needed to accept the offering. Like you don't want to be the guy that is the reason why your team doesn't land land Juan Soto, right? Like he would have been public enemy number one. I know they had other options and obviously backup plans. They or else they probably wouldn't have done that. But um, you know, instead they had to you know eat the contract and give it to to the Red Sox or find another suitor that wasn't on his no trade list but I don't know like the upside for Hosmer is like the run that he had in April I think like maybe there's that in him if the Red Sox get hot and you know like they did in May and June when they sort of made that comeback after their dreadful start so who knows that could be something that the Red Sox are hoping for when whenever when story gets healthy and Sal gets healthy maybe they go on a run but I still think that's Unlikely, and that might be uh, okay for Hosmer's value. But overall, uh, I'm not that interested. I've I've never ever 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 been interested in Hosmer. I don't think I've ever <laughs> rostered him. Right. Uh, it just it's it's hard for me to, to get behind a, a guy that just has that bad ball, ball rate. rate. Yeah, the dreaded ground ball rate with Hosmer. So uh, yeah, yeah. But oh, you know, now, who knows? Maybe. maybe uh, Maybe he'll catch fire like he did in April for, for a little bit there. Yeah, fair play. Just uh, that, that was a name we had not discussed. But, yeah, I think that rounds us out. Uh, M- Miguel Vargas for tuning in. Miguel Vargas, yeah. RBI double, and then stole third. So there you go. That's, That's go. a nice start. Yeah. That's um, Well, go grab Miguel Vargas over Eric Hosmer. And thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. I know it's been a week full of catching up on the news hopefully you guys appreciated kind of the the high level but also some some under the radar names we'll be back next thursday and every thursday throughout the rest of the season you guys can follow us on twitter at wins above pod i'm at van underscore verified and steve is at stav 8818 that's s-t-a-v 8818 Email us whenever if you guys want your topics talked about on the show. It's winsabovefantasy at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week and uh, continue down the home stretch of Fantasy Leagues. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for talking baseball with us, guys. Later.